0: Dear children, this is the last hour. As you, sorry, and as you have heard from the antichrist, that the antichrist is coming, and even now many antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you who know the truth, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies, oops, yeah. No one who denies the Father has the Son. Whosoever acknowledges the Son has the Father. Also, as for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what He has promised us: eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. The word of the Lord.
1: All right. Good morning. Uh, we are in First John. If you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles, uh, we will be bouncing back into it. And so it'd be really good just to have that open before you. Man, what a good morning. It's been an exciting morning being able to celebrate with those who are graduating and then also to baptize two of our graduating students. It, it feels like it's just a season of joy, a season of expectation for what the future holds. And so this message is kind of dedicated to you guys who are graduating, but my prayer is that for all of us that we will be able to walk away with something from this this morning as well, because I think it holds a lot of powerful truth for us as well. And so graduates, as you embark on this new phase of your life, it's important to be mindful of who you allow to speak into your life. Some of you are going to be leaving home for the first time to pursue your studies or going to get a job in, others, in another province or country. And so it's exciting. There's new things on the horizon. And so my message today, my prayer, is that it will be an encouragement and a challenge for you to be discerning in who gets to speak into your life. However, this message, like I said, applies to all of us here. We all have voices constantly speaking into our lives. And we must acknowledge that we live in a world with so many different opinions that all of them seem to be contradicting. They seem to have their own messages that they're trying to promote. And we have this, this job to discern who are we going to listen to. It could be challenging to know who exactly to listen to and who to trust. We all need people in our life who are building us up, who are speaking into our life, encouraging us, challenging us. But it's important that those people are found in Christ, people who have submitted their life to his way. Every day, there are numerous leaders competing to gain attention and followers from social media influencers to pastors to teachers to TV show to just social media in general. And everyone seems to have their own agenda and beliefs. And it can be challenging to choose which one we want to listen to or which of the ones we want to listen to. And that's where discernment comes in. And I think it's especially challenging when we have leaders who are saying one thing and then immediately contradict it with the way that they're living their life. They fail to meet their own standards. And so what do we do with that? That's always always so challenging. It's becoming an unfortunate reality that more and more people are getting exposed for saying one thing and living out something completely different. And when that happens, that can shake us. It can absolutely hurt when these people that we look up to and trust for guidance and leadership don't do what they're saying they're doing. And that can shake our faith in leaders, but it can also, if we allow it, impact our faith and trust in Christ. And so as we study our passage this morning... I really want to explore this timeless message that John is writing in 1 John to all of us. Because it holds a message for us today as well. That we live in a world that's not so different from back then. The one that John addressed. A world where various philosophies, spiritual beliefs, and ideologies compete for our attention and our heart. And it is becoming so easy to be swayed by popular trends per, per persuasive arguments, which can ultimately lead us away from trusting God and putting our trust in someone or something else. Yet our challenge is the same as the original audience in First John, to find certainty of our faith, not in anyone else, but in Christ alone. To find certainty of faith in Christ alone. And so in our passage today, as Brad read earlier, we read about this church. There is this church and, and there are people who have come from John and they are spreading a false doctrine about who Jesus is. They are promoting this idea that Jesus wasn't actually the Messiah. And when that happens, John is realizing that if they start to believe that, they are going to start to question exactly who Jesus is. And if they start going down that road, it was not too far to imagine that they might completely walk away from the faith. Because as Christians, our faith is wholly centered on who Jesus is, that he is fully God and fully man, that he was the promised Messiah from the Old Testament. And so John, in this letter, as we read in this portion of scripture, is reminding the church, no, 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 don't, don't, be, don't be persuaded, don't, don't listen to these lies, don't listen to these antichrists, people against who Jesus really is. Go back to the foundation of your faith. Do not be led astray. And today, largely in the church, we, we aren't facing that particular problem very often. We don't have people in the church who are denying who Jesus is, questioning about who he actually is, about that he's fully God and fully man, this divine being, this mystery, the promised Messiah. We don't really have that. Outside of the church, we do often, we see that with other religions, and it can even come into our mind of like, well, what does that mean? Why do they believe that? And so it can be this this questioning thing that comes up. But there, uh, that among many, so many other things, there are so many other things that come against our faith and become false teachings about what the Bible really says. False teachings about who Jesus really is. And we are then, like the church that John's addressing, having to discern, well, what is the truth? What is God actually about? Who is he? What is Jesus? And so we have to go back to what truth really is. And as Christians, we believe that the Bible is true. That we go back to that as our source of truth. But very often, these voices aren't as overt, such as denying who Jesus is. More often, they're subtle and just slightly misleading. As such, it is important for us to be on watch, on guard, testing the voices we are choosing to listen to, especially the ones that we are letting guide and impact our life. So today, I want to focus on that point. Who do we know and and, and who are we listening to? Who are we allowing to speak into our life and who should we trust? A common saying that's attributed to Jim Rohn says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. How many of you guys have heard that before? It's a pretty common saying, or you probably heard something similar. And while this is true, research actually goes well beyond that. That friends of those friends impact us. And even beyond that, the things that we spend our time with, the way that we are listening to people, when people talk to us, and, and the social media stuff that we're taking in, the TV shows that we're watching, all of this stuff impacts us. It is speaking into us. And that leads me to the question I want to ask us as we kind of ready our hearts for what God's Word is saying here, which is, who are you letting speak into your life? Who are you letting speak into your life? And I want not to, for you to audibly answer that, but I want you to answer that in your mind and, and in your heart. If you want to write it down on your phone or on a notebook, I encourage you to do that. I want to invite you just to actually think on that for a second. Think on this question. I'm going to give you some guiding prompts in the midst of that to maybe challenge us as to who is actually speaking into our life. And so, whatever pose you need to make, if you need to close your eyes, if you need to start journaling, like, whatever you need to do, answer that question. Who are you letting speak into your life? If you're going to school, what teachings are you taking in? When you go out for coffee and talk with that friend, that coworker, what what are you guys talking about? What is the conversation about? At work, with our peers, what do we focus our conversations around? This last week, what did we talk about? In this digital age that we live in, again, we need to realize the prevalence of varying voices in our lives, particularly through social media. How often are you on Instagram, Facebook, etc., etc., it keeps going who are you following on those platforms who are the people that you are choosing to say i want to hear what you have to say what podcasts are we regularly listening to what music are we letting fill us up who are the influences influencers that we are following This last week, how did you spend your time? What did you watch, listen to? Who did you spend time with? Because when we start to answer these questions, we're going to realize and and start to take note of, okay, who is speaking into my life? Who are the people that are influencing me? And when we start to realize that, okay, these people are speaking into my life, it leads us to the next question, which is, how does the godly contribution weigh the worldly? If we're honest, we may realize that we need to make some adjustments, especially if the worldly influence is so much larger than the godly one. I would encourage you and challenge you to see that as something to actually look at and be concerned about. Because this stuff has an impact on us. It's so easy, especially for like you guys who are parents, to say to your kids, okay, what are you watching? What are you listening to? And then completely go and do something different yourself and not hold yourself to that same standard when they're not around. But for us as adults, man, this is a big question. We are spending our time. We are investing our time. So who is speaking into your life? In this passage that we had read to us, what really stood out to me is is John's heart for the church to really discern who is speaking to you. John did the heavy lifting, and he knew that these people were not of Christ, that they were promoting a false doctrine, they were doing heresy, like that's what they were proclaiming. And so John did that work for them, We all don't always have that privilege of someone else doing that for us. We all, as Christians, have that responsibility to test the voices that are speaking into our life. And so I want to walk through today three easy tests, challenging ones, but relatively easy to remember tests, that maybe we could put these voices against to see if they're actually worth listening to, if they're worthy of our time and energy, And so the first test, I'm going to touch on them very quickly, and then we'll expand on them in a moment. But the first test is this. We test it by our spirit. Does that voice, that person, when they're speaking, does it sit well with us in our soul? Does it build us up and encourage us towards holiness? That being set apart for God thing? Being different than the world around us? That's the first test. The second test is by scripture. Does the things that they say align with God's word? And we'll come back to that, and I have a very practical application for that piece. As well as this third one, which is this. Testing the character and actions of those people by the fruit of the spirit. Does it line up with what the fruit of the spirit is? But with all of these, we need to realize that we do it in community community is crucial to how we actually discern stuff. And I want us to view these three tasks more as checkpoints, And when Lara and I, we went on vacation not that long ago, we went to Mexico, and it was our 10th year anniversary, so it was a really exciting opportunity to be able to get away for that. And as we were driving through Mexico, we got picked up by a van, and we were making our way to the resort. And as we were, like, arriving closer to the resort, the driver let us know, we're right here, this is it. And so we pulled up, and there's this big kind of, like, gate, and there's a security guard up there with, like, a little clipboard. And so the driver opens his window speaks in Spanish, which I don't know is any Spanish. And uh he shows him a little page and it introduces us. And he's like, oh you guys are the paravers? Like nailed it. <laughs> great. And and I was like, okay, yeah, great. And so they checked us off and then they let us go in. And I'm like, oh that's awesome. That's that's some really good security. And as we were driving along, we were like making our way further in, I like see off in the distance this guy with like a, like a machine gun. And I was like I really hope we're at the resort. (laughs) Like, this is this is going to go bad. And we pull up to the guy, and he's there, and he's like, okay, who are you guys? And then the driver walks through who we are again. Nailed it. And he's like, okay, go ahead. Go into the next one. And then we go again, and there's, like, another person waiting right at the resort. Before we can even get onto the actual, like, resort area, another person is there. Who are you? Three checkpoints... To make sure that we are going to be safe at a resort where we're just, you know, we're just relaxing, hanging out. I feel like these checkpoints can be a good reminder for how we should really check who is speaking into our life. So let's actually do discernment. It's a hard thing to do. It takes time and it's energy, but man, is it so worth it. Because we need to make sure that the friends, the mentors, the leaders, the pastors that build us up, man, we need to make sure that their voices are actually worth listening to. So here's our first checkpoint. Our first checkpoint is this, that we test it with our spirit. Does it sit well with us? Now, if it's going to sit well with us, we need to realize that our spirit must be in unity with God. If our spirit isn't in unity with God, anything is going to sound good. Anything's going to be appealing. Anything's going to sound like, oh, that's tempting. I I like that idea. Yeah, I would love to do that. When our relationship with Jesus is good, when we have a personal relationship, and and honestly, that peace alone is just crucial. We need to have a personal relationship with God. Our faith cannot be built on other people. And as a kid, it is so easy. As a teenager, it is so easy to identify as a Christian because that's what my family does. But it's also easy as an adult to say, I identify as a Christian because I go to church on Sunday. It's just what I do. And then Monday comes, Tuesday comes, and... Our life doesn't, doesn't at all look any different than someone who isn't a Christian. It is important to realize that our relationship with Jesus has to be our own. We need to know him. We do that through reading his word, through praying, through spending times in silence and retreat and just actually being still before God and letting him speak to us. Our relationship is crucial. And when our relationship with God is in step, man, the Holy Spirit, again, as Christians, when we believe and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, we have the Holy Spirit in our life. And that Holy Spirit works in tandem, in unison with our conscience. And so as voices speak to us, we say, does it sit well? Lord, is that someone I should be listening to? And that is the very first test. If someone is saying something to us and you're like, oh, I don't... That doesn't sit well. I don't really know. You get like a flag that kind of comes up of like, I don't really know about that. Hmm. I don't know if that really aligns with Scripture. Like, it just, something's off about it. That is our first checkpoint of saying, okay, something's off. And we need to move on to the second checkpoint before allowing that voice to speak into us. Which is, that second checkpoint is testing people's voices against Scripture. Scripture. In John, as we just had read to us, we, we read in 1 John, um, in verse two, chapter 2, 21, I did not write to you because you did not know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. Scripture is God's truth. We need to be looking at what people are saying and saying, okay, does this align with what God's word says? Does it match up? Does it fit? Is it actually true? And we can look at so many different things in the Bible to check that. But I would just super encourage you. A very easy way to do that is go to the Gospels and look and read. What is Jesus teaching? Jesus has many teachings in the Gospels. But there are two that like come to mind as like the forefront of things we should be checking voices against. The first is the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus teaches the Jewish people. He's saying, you've heard it this way and I say this. And throughout that whole passage, throughout that whole teaching, Jesus is moving people's understanding to see that it is not about doing stuff for God. It is about a personal relationship. It is about our heart. What is our heart in the midst of this? What are we doing? And so as people talk to us, as people say stuff to us, and we're looking at it, and we're saying, okay, is that something that we should apply to our life? Does it match up with that teaching? Does it match up with what Jesus says? The second one that I would go to to very quickly discern, and this one's a super easy one, is the greatest commandment. When Jesus is asked, and and they're saying, okay, they're trying to trap him, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Knowing that all the commandments are the most important. And Jesus responds, you remember how this goes? I tell you, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second commandment is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. When people are talking to us, when people are are speaking into us, is it about loving God? Is that what our heart's reply goes to after hearing someone speak? Does it go, are they encouraging us to love God? Are they encouraging us to love others? Those are two very practical ways to test voices against Scripture. We must align, we must seek alignment for these voices and God's word. And if it doesn't align with God's word, that is an issue. And like I said, John, in 1 John, John does the heavy work of knowing that these people are teaching against Jesus, that they are denying that he is the Messiah, and he says, red flag, this is an issue. And these people, they were trusted because they came from John, And they were claiming, they were like, we're of John? And then they began to teach, and they began to say that Jesus wasn't the Messiah. And John heard this, and he's like, whoa, this is a big issue. They are not. That is not the truth at all. That is not what God is about. That is not who Jesus is. Let me tell you, and he writes this letter. We need to be able to know God's word well enough that when someone speaks to us, we can just hold up scripture and say, but this is what God's word says. And we have to be super careful with this. And I say this because when we look at Jesus, when Jesus goes off into the desert, he gets tempted by Satan, right? Satan comes and he uses scripture. He manipulates it. This is why understanding scripture as a a fellow believer, it is important to be in his word. We need to be able to respond like Jesus responded. But I say this, this is what scripture actually says. We need to know the context of Scripture because Scripture can be so easily removed from context to say something that it actually isn't saying. We need to be in God's Word. We need to know it so we can be on guard among many other things. The the next checkpoint is testing it against the fruit. In Matthew 7, 15 to 20, Jesus warns about false prophets who come disguised as genuine teachers. To discern their true character and authenticity, we can use the fruit of the Spirit as a framework for evaluation. The fruit of the Spirit are described in Galatians 5, to 23. It includes a bunch of different fruit that talk about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And all of these fruit, in Matthew 7 verse 15 to 20, as Jesus is warning the disciples, he's saying we need to be able to check these teachers, these false teachers, how we know that they are wolves in sheep clothing is that their fruit, A, they're not bearing any fruit. They don't represent any of those things at all. We will be known by our fruit, Scripture says. What is the fruit of the people that we are listening to? What is their life's character communicating to us and the world around us? We need to be examining people's actions by that. A very practical walkthrough of how to do that is this. Let me give you some examples. Does their message promote love and kindness and goodness? Or does it breed division, hatred, or selfishness? Do they exhibit joy and peace? Or are they promoting fear, anxiety, or unrest? Is their behavior characterized by patience and gentleness and self-control? Or do they display arrogance, aggression, or impulsiveness? Can we see... Uh, consistent faithfulness and reliability in their actions or do they lack integrity and consistency are they focused on promoting peace and reconciliation or do they incite discord and conflict those are a few practical ways just to look at someone and say okay what is the fruit of your life what are the things that you're talking about how do they make me feel What are they pushing me towards? By actively considering questions like these, we can assess a teacher or influencer against the fruit of the Spirit. And by doing so, we can safeguard ourselves from being led astray and ensure that the voices that we are listening to align with the teachings of Jesus Christ. Remember that Jesus emphasized that a tree is known by its fruit. That is why we use the fruit of the Spirit. Because Jesus referred to it. And through that, we can discern and embrace those who bear good fruit, leading us closer to God and His truth. However, these three checkpoints, we, we need to do them in the context of community. Proverbs 11, verse 14, reminds us that where there is no counsel, the people will fail. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In our journey, especially like students, as you leave here and go to a different school, as you leave this country and go somewhere else, be careful who you are inviting into your life, who you are choosing to do life with. Surround yourself with godly influences. In Proverbs 27, verse 17, it further emphasizes that iron sharpens iron as one person another. Our community of believers is not people who are going to just say the things that we like to hear. They're not people like that. I can think back, like one of the most profound relationships I have is with one of my best friends from college. When I was in college, I, I really, like, I, I was, at high school, I was an okay student. In college, I was like, I want to do well because I care about this. And so I started getting better grades. I was on the dean's list and like, I say that just to prove that I'm actually, okay. I'm a little bit smart. I promise. <laughs> but like, uh, and so I remember I was writing one of my papers and it was towards the end of the, the school year. And it was with, like, one of my favorite professors. He was teaching theology. And I remember, like, I was just struggling to finish this paper. This stupid paper. I was struggling to finish it. And so it was due at midnight... And, and I didn't get it done by midnight and I was powering through and I stayed up till like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning I don't recommend it, it's not great but I finished it and I was like oh, okay I'm just going to go first thing in the morning I will have a conversation with him I will explain why it's late and he'll take it and it'll be perfect, we'll be, we'll be totally good and, and my friend was like alright I'll come with you, I think partly he was like I want to see you fail I want this to go bad, I want to watch this happen Maybe just to support me as a friend, I don't know. Anyways, and so we made our way over up into Prairie and up into the, the, the teacher's offices. And I knocked on his door and he was in there. And I was like, hey, Mr. Seagrass, I am so sorry this paper is late. Like, I am so apologised. I was just really struggling to finish it. And I wanted it to be well because I really care about this. Here's my paper. And I handed it to him. And he, he took it. He's like, well, thank you. That's great. When was it due? And I was like, well, it was due at, at midnight. And he's like yeah. And I'm like, I know, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I began making excuses and trying to run through the myriad of things and he's like, I'm like, I'm sorry, man. Like, you're late. And this is an important thing. You need to get your deadlines right. And I'm like, I know, I'm sorry. He's like, no, no. I will take the paper and I'm like, oh, thank goodness, but I'm not going to give you any grade. And I was like, come again? (laughs) And he's like, yeah, I'm not going to give you any grade. And I was like, okay, trying to keep it together. I'm like, okay, this is fine. This is okay. And I remember just being like, all right. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye. And I remember leaving. And as I walked out and this is me being honest with you, I turned to my friend and began just like swearing. I'm like, I am so stinking angry. I did not use stinking. And I'm like, just so mad. And like, we were walking and my friend being a good friend, just let me vent and talk. And we went back into the dorms and I went to my room and I was like just so defeated after putting in all this time and effort when I could have sent it in early and not got the grade that I think I could have got but just got a grade. And I was just beating myself up and wrestling with this all. And I remember like just sitting there and I finally was coming down. Like it was probably an hour later and there was a knock on my door. And my friend is there and I'm like, oh, hey, I'm like, sorry about that. He's like, do you mind if I come in? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, come on in. And he sat down, and he says Quinn, this is like gonna be a moment where our friendship will be decided. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. What you did was completely uncalled for. The way that you handled that, the attitude and response that you did, you were in the wrong. And just completely called me out. And I remember in that moment, like as I'm like processing through this. I remember thinking, I'm like, I have not had a friend ever do that for me. And so I looked at him and I said, you know what? You're right. Will you, like, will you forgive me? And he's like, I, like I'm not like, hurt or offended, but I think we are called to be doing our life in this way. And in that moment, with, like, it solidified our friendship. But further, it represented to me what community, what Christian community is really all about. That we hold one another accountable. That we encourage and challenge one another. In particular, to sharpen one another in truth and in love. And my friend did one of the best jobs ever in holding me to account and saying, That was not Christ-like. We need to do better. And that moment rocked me. And for that very reason, that is why we do discernment, why we do life as Christians in community. We need one another. We need one another. And so as we wrap up, I want to remind us that as we navigate through the complexities of life, as we face a multitude of voices all vying for our attention and influence, we must We don't get another option. We have to anchor ourselves in Christ alone to find certainty of our faith, knowing that it is grounded in his truth in scripture, not in what other people say or do. Because those things will come and go. Those things will change. Every single person, everyone, including myself, including you, all fall short of the glory of God. We mess up. As leaders, as pastors, we mess up. We fall short. But we do our life in community knowing that we don't need to be perfect. We just need to be pursuing Jesus and encouraging and challenging one another as best we can. And so as we live in that community, we test voices in three ways. And by testing voices, we ensure that they are godly voices, encouraging, pushing us towards Christ and living a Christ-filled life. Those three checkpoints as we make our way to deciding to listen to someone is this. We test it against our spirit, using discernment to see if it aligns with our values, our Christian values, and uplift us towards righteousness. Second checkpoint, we test the voices against Scripture. The Bible serves as our ultimate authority and guiding for discerning truth. By studying Scripture diligently, diligently, and seeking guidance from the Holy Spirit, we can evaluate whether the voices we encounter align with God's word or not. We also use the check, the test, the checkpoint, of the fruit of the spirit. By examining a person's character against the fruit of the spirit, we can avoid being misled and instead follow voices that align with Jesus. The practical fruit test serves as a marker for marking individuals and saying their fruit bears good, or their life bears good fruit. And ultimately, we need to realize that our faith is our own. We need to develop a personal relationship with Jesus because no matter of influencers speaking into us, no matter the parents, the teachers, the peers, the mentors, the social media influencers, we can be following all the right people and listening to all the right voices. But if we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, our faith is non-existent. We need to be found in Christ and in Christ alone alone. So that when voices like in First John are promoting a false doctrine, saying something that isn't true, we can stand against it and say, no, God's word says this. My Lord, my Savior is this. And we need to remember that we do all of that in community. And so students, my friends, as you embark into new phases of life or continue the ones that you are in, may you remain steadfast in our pursuit of truth, allowing our voices that lead us closer to Christ to shape us and influence us, but may it not be a replacement for the one true thing that Christ needs to be the center point of our life. So may the certainty of our faith be firmly rooted in Christ alone, enabling us to navigate the complexities of the world with wisdom, discernment, and devotion. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Lord God, it is an amazing morning full of celebration. And so, Lord, we thank you for our graduates. God, we thank you for Owen and for Kale and just even their profound testimony, Lord God. It is amazing to see young men who love Jesus and want to live their lives for them. And so, Lord God, we're just so blessed to have these students in our life. God, we're blessed to have them as a part of our church body. And so, Lord, we pray that you would be with us and that those who are leaving to go to school to go work in a different country, that you would be with them as they do those things. May they, as we all need as well, be discerning in who we are doing life with, who we are allowing to speak into us. So for this and so much more, we say, Jesus, come. We need you, Father. Thank you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.